What is going on everyone? My name is Andy. Welcome back to another FPL video. And this one is transfer tips for game week six. So as always, I'm going to look at the popular moves people are making in and out of their squad and discuss whether they are good moves or not. If you enjoyed the video, make sure to give it a like, hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. And if you want to get your AI suggested transfers over on Fantasy Football Hub, they have a seven day free trial at the moment and up to 30% off. All the links you need are in the description below. So let's start off with Mo Salah. He got 10 points at the weekend against Wolves. Two assists, nearly came away with a third, but it was given as an own goal. So all of a sudden, he's very popular. And I think this is a little bit similar to the Raheem Sterling situation in game week four, apart from we know how good Salah is as an FPL option at Liverpool, in that everything's kind of coming together for people to bring him in. So with Sterling... It was at a time when he just got 19 points. The fixtures looked pretty good afterwards. But also, people were starting to get, not necessarily frustrated with their midfielders, but there were midfielders that people were happy to sell. So I sold Martinelli for Sterling, for example. And I think that's the same thing that's happening this week. Like, we know Salah's good. Him getting 10 points against Wolves doesn't really change that. We already knew he was capable of doing stuff like that before the game. But he has just got 10 points. People are going to want him from game week nine onwards, so why not just bring him in early? But also, there's lots of midfielders that people are all of a sudden very frustrated with. Sterling, obviously, did well against Luton, hasn't done well since. Rashford and Fernandez. I think Rashford has uh, returned in two games, Fernandez only one. And I think people have kind of started to change their tune with Spurs players as well. Madison, a few weeks ago, touted as essential. He's only got one return against uh, Burnley and Sheffield United. Now he's got Arsenal away. Similar situation with Son. All of a sudden, it looks like some of our midfielders can be sold. Who better to get than Salah? So I don't really mind the move. I, I, I mean, I love the guy, right? I've been labelled as a Liverpool fan just because of how much I like Salah from an FPL point of view. I really want him from game weeks 9 and 10, or 9 or 10. Beforehand, obviously, West Ham away, Spurs away, Brighton away. Can Liverpool score goals in all of those games? Absolutely. If they do, who would you put your money on? Probably Salah, because we know he's nailed on. But I don't think there's necessarily a rush to get him for those games. So if you've got two free transfers and you can move two of your midfielders in one go and you're happy to bring Salah in, then fair enough. But I've seen people taking like minus fours and minus eights and I don't get it. That does feel like, fair enough, I'm going to be a hypocrite here and you can accuse me of knee jerking. But it feels like he scored 10 points. Other midfielders haven't scored points this week. Therefore, we've got to take hits to get Salah in. And you can say things like, well, he's super consistent. But we already knew that, right? There's a reason he's 12 and a half million. I think he's gone like 10 or 11 league games in a row going back to last season, getting a goal or an assist. I think everything that's happened so far doesn't really change my opinion of him. I already think he's great. That's why I want him in around game weeks 9 and 10. And I take you back to game week 3. Salah got 5 points in the first game, 5 points against Bournemouth. That's consistency. Two returns in two games. Did anyone want to buy him after Bournemouth? No. In fact, people that owned him wanted to spread the money around to other midfielders. All of a sudden, three weeks later, people want to do the opposite of that. They want to take the money out of midfield and put it into Salah. There's not really a right or wrong. Everyone's team is going to be different. Everyone's got a different amount of transfers available. And I get the appeal of wanting him. But the similar arguments still apply. You're probably not going to captain him over the next three. And no, that's not a reason specifically to not get him in. But it should come into your thinking if you can spread that money around in a better way. If you've got the funds for like a Salah, I don't know, and a Diaby versus Rashford and Fernandes, maybe that's your decision, then fair enough. It probably is quite close. But also, as bad as the Man United players have been... 
They got Burnley away this week. And again, we go back to the conversations before game week three. Rashford and Fernandes hadn't performed in the first two games. Therefore, it was time to get rid of them. What did they do in an easy fixture of Forest at home? They both returned. And Burnley away is a pretty good fixture. So would anyone be surprised if Rashford and Fernandes return in that game? I probably wouldn't. I think we're going to talk about Rashford later on. But I just think you've got to... You've just got to be ca- like be careful not to change the narrative, I guess. Right, and again, I go back to the Sterling and the Son moves. I get it. People are going to say that I did that for me, but I had spare transfers and money in the bank. I said many times last week I would not sell Saka or Fernandez or Rashford for Son. I was only doing it for Sterling because I had the money and I wanted to target that Sheffield United at home fixture, and I had two free transfers. If I'd only had one, I would have probably rolled. And I think that's why I'm so. Not so against it, but why I just don't get the idea of taking a hit for Salah. So, is he a good transfer in? Of course he is. It's Mo Salah. He's one of the best FPL options we've ever had. In fact, over the last six seasons, he's been the greatest of all time. He is going to be consistent. But I don't think there's now a mad rush to get him versus the first four game weeks. It's mostly because he's got those 10 points. People are frustrated with their players. And it's fine to move them on. Just be careful that you're not changing your opinions on these players too much after one bad game week. As I've already mentioned him in this video, let's talk about Marcus Rashford next. Nearly 100,000 transfers out already this week. And I kind of get a bit of the frustration, right? Maybe he hasn't performed at quite the level people were expecting. Man United certainly haven't. But at the same time, I feel like that goes out the window because they got Burnley away in game week six. And I feel like you've got to caveat everything you say online to kind of cover every other potential circumstance. Yes, if you've got two free transfers, you really want Salah as a long-term move, you can do it for free. You're sick of Marcus Rashford and Man United. Fair enough, sell him. But for most people... They don't need to use a transfer on Rashford this week, especially if there's other fires to power, like Nicholas Jackson in my team, for example. People might have defensive issues. Like He's not a priority to get rid of, especially for a hit. I'm not sure many people are doing that, but I have seen some people taking a hit for Salah that involves getting rid of Rashford, and I don't particularly get it. It's not just that Burnley is a good game on paper. I think it's a good game specifically for Rashford. Right? They're not. They, from what we've seen so far, they don't look like a team that's just going to sit deep and wait for other teams to break them down. Maybe they'll do that at home to Man United. But against Spurs, they had a lot of joy in behind. And against Forest last night, there were a couple of opportunities for Forest to counter. And had they done a bit better in those situations, they would have walked away with more than one goal. So I just think it's a really good game, not just for Man United, but for Rashford in particular. And therefore, he's a pretty good hold. And look, he, he maybe hasn't performed at the level people were hoping. But if you watch that Brighton game, he was definitely Man United's best attacking threat. He was kind of centimetres away from getting another assist. That would have been four returns in the first five. And I'm not making excuses for Man United, right? They haven't been good enough. But they have already played Spurs away and Arsenal away. So the first four fixtures outside of Wolves and Forest weren't necessarily that easy on paper. They should have scored more goals in those games. But whatever, right? On paper, they're, they're a bit more difficult than what they've got coming up. So coming up, you've got Burnley away, then back-to-back home games against Palace and Brentford, and Sheffield United away. So even if you wanted to keep... Even if you want to get rid of Rashford soon, then okay, maybe do it if you don't think they're going to break down Palace and Brentford. Surely Burnley away is not the time to do it. Like, put it this way, I think there's more reasons to buy Rashford than there is to sell him. And I know people are going to think that's Man United bias. That's always the comment that comes out whenever I talk about them. But I just think that fixture run is so good. And Rashford is such a good FPL option. I I just can't see a big 
reason to sell him and my plan was to always probably hold him up till game week nine anyway so i guess i'm just not changing my opinion too much but but i guess on the on the not perform to that level he has got three returns in the first five it's not awful and i know there'll be a bunch of cheaper players that have done just as well if not slightly better but there'll also be a bunch of cheaper players that haven't done as well and sometimes that's why you pay, uh, you pay that bit extra for that kind of consistency three returns in five before burnley palace brentford sheffield united away is that that bad i would say probably not i mean just to put it into perspective Again, a couple of weeks ago, Madison kind of being touted as essential. He's only got one more attacking return than Rashford, right? And think about how those two players are being spoken about differently from an FPL point of view. So, yeah, I own him. I'm more than happy to keep him for Burnley. Yes, there's probably some circumstances where it makes sense for people to sell him, but not many, I would say. So speaking of players that have been fairly consistent this season, Edouard at Crystal Palace already has four goals in the first five games. And the other thing I quite like about him is his minutes are looking pretty good. In the past, Crystal Palace have rotated a little bit. And if not, players like Eduard have come off at like the 60, 70th minute. That hasn't happened so much so far. And obviously, Crystal Palace are not a team in Europe where that's likely to change anytime soon, especially when you're playing this well. And if we look at the matches he's had so far, it was 19 game weeks one and two against Sheffield United and Arsenal, only 70 against Brentford. But then after that against Wolves and Villa, it was 89 and 89. So the minutes are looking pretty good. His underlying numbers are pretty decent as well. 0.65 expected goals per 90 so far. 0.16 expected assists. The fixtures are okay for the next three. You've got Fulham at home this week. Then Man United away game week seven. Then Forest at home in game week eight. So I don't mind them. But as well as playing Man United away in game week seven, which actually might not be so bad if they keep defending how they have been, they've also got to play Newcastle away game week nine and Spurs at home game week 10. So I would say over the next three, they're okay. Next five, I'm not so sure about them. But obviously, he's only 5.6 million. So you shouldn't be expecting a massive amount of points anyway. The only counter arguments I can see to maybe not going for him is... How how like uh, sorry how sure are we that this is going to continue? Because this happens every season, right? Players that we don't look at for game week one suddenly do really well, and then we get them in, and half the time they just go off and they revert to what they've done in kind of previous seasons. Like if we look at the last two, he had five goals in the 2022-23 season and six goals in 2021-22, and he played over 1500 minutes in both of those. He's already. Oh, he's close to matching his last two season titles already. So that is the question. Has he just suddenly become great? Or has he got a little bit luckier in the first few weeks? And that's not going to continue going forward. I mean, if he can keep up these kind of underlying numbers, then there's definitely a case to be made that he's a great option at 5.6. I just have some slight hesitation. But to be honest with you, with the fixture they got next three, it's a perfectly fine punt. There are obviously other options in and around that price bracket, one of which is Morris that has a double game week in game week seven. And that's where I would find it hard to go for Edouard. Is it worth taking the extra fixture for the Luton player instead, even if that is a weaker team, right? We know that uh, Morris is on penalties and stuff like that. That's not the case with Edouard. It would be Eze instead. I just don't know if I would go for him unless you want to keep him longer term and then that all really comes down to your squad setup so for me for example i've got jackson if i'm going to move him on realistically it's probably going to be for alvarez i don't necessarily need the money that eduard would provide me for kind of 
upgrades elsewhere. So I, I wouldn't really need him in that situation. If you're someone that set up your squad with a Jao Pedro and you're getting frustrated with how often he's being rotated and you don't have a huge money, a huge amount of money to upgrade and you don't want to target the double game week, then all of a sudden Eduard looks like a really good pick. But I think just because he's got four goals in the first five doesn't mean that we all need to rush out and get him. But I think as a punt over the next three with the fixtures they got, he looks perfectly reasonable. And I looked on the points projections on Fantasy Football Hub for forwards for 6.5 million or less from game week six to nine. If you want to check this out for kind of other, you know, customizations like more game weeks, higher price, different positions, obviously click that link in the description below. But I've done 6.5 or below next four game weeks. Morris is at the top. He was always going to be because of that double. Then it's Wisser. We shouldn't forget about him. Brentford still have Everton at home, Forest away, Man United away, Burnley at home next four. I obviously really like him Burmo, but Wisser is definitely an option. And then it's Eduard. So he is a pretty good option over the next four. Not just according to everyone bringing him in, but also according to the points projections on Fantasy Football Hub. So, yeah, I kind of like him. I think for most people, he's just not going to be needed. And that happens sometimes in FPL. But over the next three weeks, I wouldn't be surprised if he continues scoring. Nicholas Jackson, the man with more yellow cards than attack and return so far this season. And let's be honest, from an FPL point of view, it has been absolutely awful. He's played in all five game weeks. To be fair, his minutes have been good. Just not much else. He's had four one-pointers, so four yellow cards is what he's picked up. And the other game was Luton, where he walked away with a seven-pointer. So as an owner of him, I completely get the frustration. I picked him up in game week three for 7.1 million. Last night, he went down to 7 million. So not only have I had barely any points from him, I've also lost money as well. So I can see why nearly 200,000 FPL managers have already sold him. My kind of current thoughts on whether or not he should be sold is I won't go out of my way to get rid of him. And by that, I mean, if I've got higher priority transfers, I'll definitely make them. I'm not going to start saying that Jackson has to be sold for a hit. So if I had to make two defender transfers, like Chilwell and Saliba to double Newcastle defense is something I'm looking at. If I don't think Chilwell is going to start, I then won't also take a hit to remove Jackson. I'll almost certainly keep him for Aston Villa at home and just hope for the best. I know he's only one yellow card away from a suspension, and obviously, if he gets suspended, he'll have to be dealt with. But I don't think that's a reason enough to sell him because we know he's going to play against Villa at home. The only other really out-and-out out number nine they have is Broya, and he's not been in a squad yet. So even if he is in the squad, he's almost certainly going to be on the bench. So I think from a minutes perspective, Jackson is fine. Um, and look, some people might say that I'm contradicting myself. Like, why are you keeping Rashford for good fixtures when he hasn't performed? Whereas, you know, Jackson's got good fixtures coming up. Villa at home, Fulham away, Burnley away. But you're saying it's okay to sell him. I think there's a couple of reasons. One, Rashford, in an outcome um, view, has got more returns anyway, right? Three versus one. But also, Rashford is a proven FPL player and a proven Premier League player as well. Jackson isn't. He's new to the league. And I think from watching him so far... I get why Chelsea have brought him, but he is very young, he's very inexperienced, and he's very raw. And that is not me trying to change the narrative. I've kind of said that all along, but I think with the fixtures they had, he was worth taking the punt on. But now we've watched him a few times, I just don't think the finishing is quite there yet. He is getting into good positions. His underlying numbers are looking really good. But if you've got a spare transfer to move him on to like an Alvarez, if you want to target double up on Man City attack, or if you want to go for Morris for the double game week, I think they're okay transfers to make so i don't think he's a absolute must sell at all costs but for a lot of people he is starting to get to be one of those transfers that's the highest priority in your team 
is he's just not looking great. And it was a really bad performance in general for Chelsea against Bournemouth. I think that's the worst that I've seen them play. I wouldn't be surprised if he does get returns over the next three. Not massive ones, but if he walked away with one or two attacking returns over the next three, would I be surprised? Probably not. But I still think in a lot of circumstances, it kind of makes sense to sell him. I'm still on the fence about whether or not to do it because I need to think about whether Chilwell is going to start and stuff like that. But I get why people are looking to go to Alvarez. For anyone that went in game week three, fair play. Because at that point, I think Jackson was like 7.1, close to 7.2. Alvarez was down at like 6.5, 6.6. Their prices are almost uh, almost the same now. Jackson's 7, I think Alvarez is 6.8. That's going to keep continuing to go the other way, right? Jackson's going to be sold. Alvarez is going to be brought. At some point soon... Alvarez could even be more expensive. So yeah, fully get the transfer, fully get the frustration. Not a must-sell, but perfectly reasonable to get rid of him as well if you wanted to. So Alexander Izak was another popular transfer out, and I completely get it. He was benched against Brentford in game week five. Not only that, but he was an unused substitute. Like usually, whichever one of Izak or Wilson starts... I expect the other one to come on with at least 15, 20 minutes left, sometimes 30, and that didn't happen. Now, I didn't see anything that said he had a knock or an injury. Obviously, correct me if I'm wrong in the comments below. So probably he was just being rested for the Champions League. So you could think, well, okay, Wilson plays in the Premier League, Isaac plays in the Champions League, therefore I'm going to get Callum Wilson, Sheffield United away, Burnley at home, West Ham away, Palace at home, good fixtures, plus Callum Wilson's goal scoring rate is incredible, plus whichever one is on the pitch, they're on penalties as well, and if they're both on the pitch, it's going to be Callum Wilson. For me, there's probably enough reason to just ignore both of them. I don't think the rotation will be that perfect, where, Will, uh, where Isaac always plays Champions League and always misses the Premier League. That might not always happen, and even if it does, we could go back to seeing early substitutes as well. So my preference is probably to ignore them. I do like the Callum Wilson punt, though, because he is so good when he plays. And it could be that you get Sheffield United and Burnley, and by the time the rest of us have kind of cottoned on to that, it's too late to kind of bring him in. So you've got your points. We'll continue to ignore him, and he'll continue to play. But I'm just not sure it's necessarily going to work like that. Like, if we look at the fixtures Newcastle have had and have got coming up, obviously the Brentford game was against... Sorry, the Brentford game was on Saturday and it was an evening game. And then they've got to play Mila uh, sorry, AC Milan in the Champions League on Tuesday. And it's a quarter to six kickoff. So there's not a huge amount of rest time there. And obviously, it is a massive game for Newcastle back in the Champions League. They're obviously going to want to win that just like every team wants to win every game. But there's not much rest time. So it kind of made sense that Wilson played. But the next Premier League game isn't until Sunday. So you've got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday off. Is that enough time to play your first choice striker, which I do think is Isaac, against Sheffield United away? It could be. And yes, they've got another midweek game after that, but it's the, I almost forgot the name of this cup. It's the Carabao Cup. Now, to be fair, it's a tough game at home to Man City, so maybe he'll want to play Isaac there. So he plays Isaac against Milan. He plays um, Wilson against Sheffield United. Then he plays Isaac again against Man City and then plays Wilson against Burnley. It may be that it works out like that, but if you want to save your first-choice striker for kind of as many Premier League and Champions League matches as you can, why not play him against AC Milan away and then also play him with a good, good amount of rest against Sheffield United away and then just play Callum Wilson in the Cup against Man City? Then you've got Izak back for that Burnley game on Saturday before playing PSG at home, right? And that's a home game rather than away. So you people could be right. It might be that that rotation is going to happen. Wilson plays all the Premier League games, but I just don't know if it's that simple. And from everything we've seen so far, Isaac is ahead of him 
in the pecking order, right? If there was a four weeks rest, it looks like Isaac is mostly going to play when there's no kind of Champions League to worry about. So personally, I think it's probably worth not taking that headache on and ignoring both of them. Would I sell Isaac this week if I already owned him? Well, I would definitely wait and see that Champions League match because what if Wilson comes off the bench or even starts, who knows, and gets injured? All of a sudden, Isaac with Sheffield United, Burnley, West Ham, Palace will be in a lot of people's thoughts. I'd even consider going from Jackson to Isaac instead of Jackson to Alvarez. So definitely wait for that game. After that, it really comes down to what Eddie Howe says about Wilson and Isaac. But I think no matter what he says, we're probably not going to know either way. So again, if you've got that spare transfer even before Sheffield United away... I'd probably be tempted to kind of move him on because going forward, he and Wilson are just going to be minutes risk and we can't guarantee when they're going to start. So I think I've got to talk about James Ward-Prowse and I'll hold my hands up and say maybe I got it wrong about how good of an FPL option he might be at West Ham. He's had four matches for them so far. He's had five attack and returns, two goals, three assists. And I think the one thing that he is fantastic at is set pieces and one thing that West Ham are also really good at is scoring from set pieces so it is a nice combination of him taking corners and free kicks and aiming for their center backs so I get all that just to kind of stick up for myself a little bit it's not that I think James Will Prowse is never going to get goals and assists it's always about what spot he takes in your team and whether you need that value midfielder and then whether he's better than all the other options as well so at Southampton for example everyone used to say well look at his season totals they're always really good and they are because he very rarely gets injured and he always plays so he picks up a lot of appearance points plus goals plus assists and we do want players that aren't rotation threats but it's about whether or not he deserves a place in our four or five man midfield ahead of kind of four or five other midfielders and that is always my kind of key reason not to buy him in any given four to six game weeks there's usually other midfielders that i would prefer instead so there's kind of two different conversations for 6.1 million with sheffield united at home in game week seven followed by newcastle at home villa away everton at home is he a fairly good pick that's going to be pretty decent value i would say yes but if i look at my current midfield and your team might be completely different I've got Saka, Imbermo, Fernandez, Rashford, Son. Which of those five do I want to give up to put to put James Ward-Prowse in? Probably none of them right now. And even in a few weeks at 6.1 million, yeah, he could be great value, but also you've got players like Eze, who's 6.3. So he's not even that much more expensive now. He's also a 90-minute man and takes all set pieces. And look, Crystal Palace are not as good as West Ham at set pieces, but he also takes penalties, which Ward-Prowse probably isn't going to have anytime soon and then they've got fulham at home this week not forest home game week eight and look there's some tougher fixtures there like i spoke about with edouard newcastle away spurs at home but longer term they've then got burnley everton luton so even if i like ward prowse for that price i'm not even completely convinced he's the best option for 6.5 million or below another player to think about soon which a lot of you have talked about is Diaby and look he's 0.5 million more expensive so then you've got to find funds for him but if you can get that much money after Chelsea away and Brighton at home this week Villa have a run of Wolves away West Ham at home Luton at home Forest away Fulham at home like who would I prefer out of him and Ward Prowse probably Diaby so even if I was to sell any of my five midfielders there's other cheaper midfielders that I prefer instead of Ward Prowse and that's just my general feelings about him i don't have this hatred toward him, where I th- towards him where i think he's a really bad fpl option that's never going to get a goal never get an assist it's all about what place he takes in our teams and right now i don't really need the money 
And if I do, there's at least two other players that I prefer instead. And if we're thinking longer term, like game week 10 onwards, Brighton fixtures get really good then. And so we might not want to go for them because of rotation. But if Matoma's still starting regularly, who would you rather have, Ward Prowse or Matoma? I suspect that most people would prefer Matoma. So that's all there is to it, right? Have I got it wrong that, you know, I didn't think he was going to get five returns in the first four games that he played, especially the fixtures that West Ham had? Yeah, I guess I have got it wrong from an outcome basis, uh, from an outcome perspective. But looking forward, he's still probably not someone that I would look to go for. To be fair, looking on the Fantasy Football Hub points projections for 6.5 or below, they got Eze top for the next um, six game weeks, then Matoma, then Gross, then Ward Prowse. So he is quite high up. My personal opinion is he's just not someone I'm going to want, I don't think. I mean, I, I guess the set pieces with that West Ham kind of centre-backs and how good they are doesn't make me think he's going to continually tick over. I still don't think I'm going to find a place for him in my team. And I continue to miss out on the points and you can continue to laugh at me. That's the great relationship that we have here on Let's Talk FPL. Make sure to give that video a like if you enjoyed it. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. If you're listening on podcasts, please do rate five stars. And if you haven't checked out Fantasy Football Hub, all the links you need are in the description below. I'll be back tomorrow, so I'll see you then. Sports Social Podcast Network.